Good evening and welcome to the Dollar Dogs and Beer Podcast. I am your host, Andrew, and joining me tonight is the ever-loving, cubbies-loving, pissed off at his horrible management of his team, Joe McGrath. How you doing, buddy? Well, I tell you what, Andrew and, and, and fans out there, I was going to wear the brown bag, but uh, the Cubs decided to show up and pull a game out of their ass tonight and, uh, and win, so I don't have to wear that. Unfortunately, yeah, you got to look at my ugly face for the next hour or so. <laughs> yeah, I've seen worse. <laughs> We're still waiting on them to extend Contreras, which unfortunately seems like that's not going to happen. Hey, I get the shirt, though, man. Hey, maybe he'll come back as a free agent in the offseason. Yeah, he says he wants to, um, but they all say they want to until they go somewhere else and actually win. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it's, he has it's a kind ring of telling – it's kind of telling when Obvious Shirts decides to cancel it, and it's like, yeah, this is the last run of this shirt because we know what's coming. So, Yeah. Yeah, they're usually uh, pretty damn well in tune for that, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, Joe, what are you drinking tonight, bud? Uh, I'm on the Evan Williams and Mountain Dew because, hey, I'm celebrating the fact that they actually won a game. <laughs> um, but I am drinking it in my Indiana basketball glass because I'm just looking forward to college sports now. This is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, how about the uh, Big Ten adding the fucking West Coast? <laughs> Super conferences are here, man. It doesn't make big, any sense, but they're here. <laughs> big Big Ten West takes on a whole new meaning, man. Hey, whatever. Yeah, it does. Now, now we just need to uh, – Notre Dame just needs to join the Big Ten so, you know – the Big Ten, SC, you know, Notre Dame USC is a protected game. Screw it. Well, to be honest, man, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the last thing that really helps to draw Notre Dame into a conference finally because of that protected rivalry game and the fact that they got uh, hurt pretty badly in the playoff talks last year by not having a conference to play in. So Yeah, you know, they, they're a team where if the, if the conference, a conference, whatever conference it is, would just say, hey, you can keep your TV deal, but we want you. It, it's over. Yeah. Conference and be done with it. Yeah, I don't see that the uh, keep the TV deal is going to happen, though. I think somebody's going to say, no, this has to go. And they're going to be forced just be, you know, the money is so much bigger in a conference deal anyway. I know yeah. their deal is huge now, but. Uh, look at what the Big Ten had, which was the biggest or second biggest to the SEC. And now look what they're adding as they're getting ready to renegotiate the contract, I think, in the next two, three years. Yeah, it's going to be massive. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. And Joe, tonight from the wonderful New Trail Brewing Company, which uh, my wife and I actually stopped at earlier for a drink on the way home. I have uh, Saw. It's a barrel-aged imperial stout. It's uh, brewed with Buzzsaw El Tipple coffee and uh, lactose uh, bacterium as well to smooth it out a little bit on the back end. It's very, very nice. And it uh, packs a little punch at 12.5% too. <laughs> so uh, it's going to be a fun episode for me tonight. <laughs> All right, man, let's roll into it. So the first half is ending as we speak. Teams are finishing the last games if they're not done already. I don't even know who's on Sunday Night Baseball today. I know it's not Atlanta because they're already done. So. Every game, the last game started at 4 o'clock, so everybody should be done. 
Okay, cool. All right, so first half is officially over or about officially over. Looking up up at the All-Star game, yeah, I know you're happy to see the first half go in the background, man. I don't blame you. Um, so ro- roster updates for the All-Star game in the American League um, from Seattle, Ty France was added. Um, Andres Jimenez will now start at second base because of Altuve's injury. Corey Seager was added. Byron Buxton's going to start now that Mike Trout was injured. Didn't I just say something last week about this, about Trout? Hey, he's finally healthy for an all-star. Nope. Nope. (laughs) Damn it. I hope I didn't jinx the poor guy. I would actually feel really bad if that's the case. Um, J.D. Martinez of Boston was added, and uh, relief pitchers Liam Hendricks of the White Sox and Jordan Romano of the Blue Jays were added to the AL squad. In the NL squad, Freddie Freeman finally added uh, the new hometown boy. That's still, yeah, it's never going to roll off the tongue right. Um, second baseman Jeff McNeil of the Mets is going to start second with uh, Jazz Chisholm's injury. Um, I might point out that Jeff McNeil was originally my pick at second base. Uh, Jake Cronenworth was added from San Diego. Austin Riley was finally freaking added, one of the biggest snubs in my opinion. Uh, Garrett Cooper from Miami was added. The fact that Josh Bell was not added now makes him the biggest snub, I think, in the National League. Um, and then three pitcher additions. Tyler Anderson was added to the squad from L.A. Uh, Miles McMichaelis from the Cardinals was added. And Devin Williams from the Brewers was added. Um, and then three pitchers will not be active during the All-Star game because of weekend starts. It's uh, Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, and Max Freed. So, you know, it's going to happen every year. It's 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 tough to pick the pitchers for the All-Star game because of how the rotations are. You know, on the crappy teams, you might see the manager mess around with the rotation to give his guy a chance to pitch in the All-Star game. Uh, the contending teams, hell no, those rotations are locked in and that's that they're not going to be. And let's, let's remember Snickers, even managing the NL all-stars and would love nothing more than to use his pitcher max free. And he's not going to screw with that. Yeah. I don't know. They've got to do something about, about this. Cause you've got some of these guys who happen to start on that weekend and then they don't make the appearance in the game and they probably should, obviously. Yeah. Uh, they've earned it. Um, so, I mean, there's something's got to be done to make this more possible. Um, I mean, I, some of these guys, you can't tell me they can't, you know, consider it a side session and throw an inning. I, I, you know. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I <sighs> – I was never a good enough pitcher to know if that would actually affect me doing something like that or not. So I'm the wrong. I mean, they do use those days to, to work on things and and improve on stuff and add new pitches and things like that. So yeah, I I totally get it. I just wish there was a way that we could, you know, somehow work out the schedule that number one starters who typically make the all-star game don't start two days before. Yeah. You know, who knows? We'll see. You know, that's it's it affects so few pitchers each year. I, I don't think it's urgent enough for MLB to consider doing anything about it. So that's just something you and I will just continue to bitch and moan about until, uh, you know, the end of time. So, hey, we needed something, right? Always, always need something. So, Joe, who do you think is going to win this year, the American League or the National League? Um. I, I don't know. I, I think 
Um, I, I would I would lean towards the NL. I think it's been between the NL East now and the NL West. I think it's been more competitive. You know, the the, the AL East is, you know, the Yankees division, and and the AL West is Houston's division because. Seattle, as we'll probably talk about, has won 13 in a row, and they're still 10 games back. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, competitive, so I think it's probably, hopefully, they have the the upper hand. So, right now, the American League is on in three, four, five. Jesus, three. The American League is on an eight-game winning streak right now, and they do slightly lead the all-time 46-43-2. The fact that we've had two ties is just complete crap. But anyway. Um, <laughs> well, the so, one change, too, this year is that the NL is used to the DH now because they have it now. So, you know, you're not putting guys in a DH spot in the NL who – typically play the field so true maybe that'll help i don't know yeah i'm hoping the nl finally pulls it out this year i mean they've got home field advantage for the game again so we'll see it's such a crap shot to predict any of this in any year so plus thank god bud Selig's stupid who wins the all-star game gets home field during the world no that's gone. No. Thank God. That was the stupidest idea and a long history of really stupid ideas that MLB has had. And uh, yeah, no, bad ceiling. Bad. I mean, the the All Star Game is it should be an exhibition of your best players and your best talent, and putting a a you know price on winning doesn't help that. No. And let's think about this for a second too, Joe. Not only does that not help that, but what do you think? Maybe no more than probably 10 players from this entire game are going to see the benefit of getting the home field advantage in the World Series because your league won the All-Star game. Like, that's just stupid. Well, I mean, what, the Yankees have six guys, so. Yeah, the, the most you could have is 11 this year. Um, right. if, if it's Yankees Braves, uh, no 12. Cause Atlanta's up to six now with Riley's edition. Right. So, um, yeah, that's the highest. So 12 out of what are the rosters like 20 something. So 12 out of six. Yeah. Yeah. 12 out of like 40 to 50 guys. That's such a small, meaningless percentage of players. It's not even worth mentioning. Yeah. I don't, I don't like it. I never liked it and I'm glad it's over with. Same, same. All right. So the more exciting part of All-Star Week happens tomorrow, which is why we're on air live tonight, because uh, all three of us would rather watch watch the wonderful Home Run Derby, which, uh, let's face it, the Home Run Derby, of all of of the skills contests that all the sports do around their All-Star game, the Home Run Derby is the king of all of them my personal preference the hockey skills are pretty cool i'll give them that because that some of that stuff's absolutely ridiculous but 
Uh, no, I'm sorry. The, the king of the skills contests is the home run derby. And then number three after hockey stuff is the bunting contest that the Japanese professional baseball league does during their all-star break, which I really wish MLB would do because that's, that's, it, it takes skill to get those bunts down into a target. And, you know, if you use a pitching machine set at a particular speed, you know, you take the, you take the, I'm going to give you a gopher pitch that you can easily bunt option out of it. But I digress. So our seating this year, our first matchup is going to be number one. Uh, and by the way, seating is based on a uh, number of home runs as of some date in July that I forgot to write down. I think like July 22nd or something like that. Not that that matters. Um, but that's why Kyle Schwarber is the one seed and not Pete Alonso, who should be the one seed because he's on a two derby winning streak. So first matchup, uh, number one seed, Kyle Schwarber of the Phillies versus number eight seed. Why is he here? Albert Pujols of the Cardinals. All right. So, uh, Joe, uh, how badly is uh, Schwarber going to kick Pujols' ass? I hope pretty badly, but you, you know you never know in a in a situation like this. Um, you know, not only is is Pujols a Cardinal, but Schwarber went to Indiana, so I'm always a Schwarber guy. He was a Cub, so you know this is not going to be a, an interesting you know that that matchup there. I don't know what the order is that they that they hit in, but this is not going to be a fun matchup. I don't think. No, I, I don't think so. I think it's going to be Schwarber, and it's not going to be close. Um, I looking at the if they go down the bracket as it's ordered as it's uh, listed on the website, the next matchup will be the four five matchup of Juan Soto of the Nationals versus Jose Ramirez of the Guardians. Um, this is a much more even matchup. So, uh, what are you thinking on this one, Joe? Uh, probably Soto. Um, I, I think he, he he benefits from even crappier pitching than he used than he's used to getting, um, <laughs> or easier pitching, I should say, not crappier. But you know he, he's going to get easier pitching, and he already hits massive home runs on off MLB guys. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. Soto Soto probably uh, would be my pick in this one. Okay, I'm going to take Soto as well. Um, Soto's out for blood after he was absolutely gassed knocking Otani out last year. I mean, Alonso beat Soto so easily in that final round last year. It, it wasn't even funny. So I think Juan Soto is going to be in better condition this year and uh, be able to take down, uh, have a chance at least of taking down Alonso if he gets that far. Now, that said, if Juan Soto has to go into a swing off again this year, forget it. He's not a he. I mean, he's a big dude compared to like you and I, but compared to these a lot of these other guys, he's not that big. Uh, endurance and stamina are definitely not on his side. All right, the next matchup in the bracket is our number three seeded Corey Seager versus number six seed Julio Rodriguez. This is what this is one of the most exciting matchups I think because Rodriguez is so good. I mean, he he had a terrible start to the season, and then May turned around and he's caught fire ever since. Um, I'm really excited to see this kid continue as the season goes on. Um, what's your pick here, Joe? This is this is going to be probably the best 
I think the closest matchup of this first round. Um, this is tough because, you know, Seeger's, I think, been there before at least once. Um, Rodriguez, this is all new to him. So I'm kind of – you want to you wanna go with the, the kid from Seattle because, let's face it, usually the kid from Seattle does pretty well in these things. Yeah. Um, the last so, one certainly did. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with Rodriguez in this one. Uh, I'm looking for some, um, uh, you know, some number 24 magic from, from the uh, Seattle Mariner here. I would definitely be 100% okay with that as well. Um, I I'm going to pick Rodriguez uh, as the winner of this matchup. Um, yeah. I just want to see him win. I, I really do like the kid and you know, it's, it's good seeing kids from, uh, kids from Seattle do well. Um, and I'd like to remind you from last year, that something that just occurred to me, it was upset city last year. I don't think there, I don't think the top, I think all the top seeds got knocked out in the first round. I don't see that happening this year. There is, I don't see Schwarber losing to Pujols at all, but it, it's certainly a possibility that we see some more upsets throughout. And this is one that would not surprise me. All right, and then the last matchup of the first round, uh, number two seed should be one seed, Pete Alonso of the Mets versus Ronald Acuna Jr. of the Braves. All right, Joe, what do you think, bud? This is this is one that I'm just not 100% sure on this one. I think, um, you know, Mets fans have kind of felt like Pete has kind of been too focused on the Derby in the last week. Um based on, on what I follow from them. But um, the man knows how to put on a show, and he's and he's done so two times in a row. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, go- I'm going to stick with the polar bear at least in the first round. Yeah, I, I really want to make the homer pick. And uh, for my bracket, I'll submit to MLB for the bracket challenge. I probably will take Acuna to knock him out. I don't think Acuna's knocking out Alonso. Um, I just, I, he does, he hasn't had a ton of home runs yet this year. You know, having a month off doesn't help that for one thing, but when he does hit them, he hits them very far. And the last time Alonso and Acuna met, um, Alonso did knock Acuna out by only one home run, I believe. And Acuna was showing power to every single field, which is what he does in a regular anyway. He's not a pure pull hitter. And I, I, to this day, I don't understand why teams play him to pull because he sprays the ball over the freaking ball field. Um, so, yeah, like I said, my personal bracket's going to be Acuna. Uh, the more analytical side of me, I, I think it's going to go Alonzo over Acuna, unfortunately. All right, so moving on to the second round, uh, it'll be the winner of 1-4, which we both went uh, Schwarber-Soto, I believe. So who are we going to pick for th- to make it to the finals. Uh, I'm going to stick with Schwarber in this one. Yeah. I, I think Juan Soto could absolutely pull the upset. I, eh, yeah, I don't see it though. I just don't. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, there's a lot of, which I know we'll get to this, but there's a lot of extra Soto baggage now around the home run derby. And, and how much is he going to be asked about that? And how much is that going to be discussed? And, you know, pre, you know, pre-contest interviews and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Absolutely. 
All right, and then in the second bracket, did you pick? Uh, did you make Seager your pick or Rodriguez your pick? Rodriguez. Okay, so it's Rodriguez Alonso. Uh, do you think the rookie's going to be able to knock off the polar bear? I, I wish. I'm just not 100 percent sure that he can. Yeah. Um, it, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a a bold prediction here because it's it's not what everybody else is going to do. I'm going to pick the kid All from right. Seattle over Pete Alonzo. All right. I'd be okay with that. <laughs> now, if um, if Acuna would upset Alonzo, which, like I said, I'd love to see it. I don't know how likely it is. Do you think Acuna would be able to knock the kid out? Probably, but I, I, um, yeah. You know what? I'm going to go with the kid from Seattle. What the hell? <laughs> Hey, that picks worked pretty damn yeah. well before. <laughs> All right. So our uh, predicted final, it's going to be uh, Schwarber versus Polar Bear or slash uh, Rodriguez. Um, if it's if it's Schwarber versus uh, Alonzo, which is probably going to be the prohibitive favorites, um, do you think Schwarber is going to have enough left in the tank by that point to be able to take Alonzo down? Um, I don't think he's going to have to expend as much as Alonzo is against Acuna. So yeah, I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick Schwarber in that one. Okay. If it comes down to Schwarber Alonzo, I think I'm still taking Alonzo in that case. I, she, he's going to have to go through a lot to get through Acuna, but Schwarber's going to have to go through a lot to get through Soto. So unless Soto gets upset, which is possible, but I don't think it's super likely. Um, I it, It's hard to say. And it's been a long time since Schwarber was in a home run derby, whereas Alonzo does this every year. He kind of knows how to condition himself and pace himself where he needs to. Uh, or maybe yeah. I'll Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with that. I think that, it'll again, it'll be interesting to see what the Soto – trade talk does now um and it will be interesting to see if you know i, I think alonzo and acuna probably goes to a swing off yeah that would not surprise me um i, I i'm going to uh go out on a limb here and make that prediction this evening um schwarber or alonzo and acuna goes to a swing off and i think that hurts alonzo in the long run Again, I'm also a Schwarber guy, so maybe I'm a little biased, but you know That's what? Okay. It, th this is sports. You are allowed to have biases wherever the hell you want. We're not pulling in seven-figure deals from ESPN to be politically correct here, man. <laughs> Fire from the hip. As, as Big Jim said when we uh, joined his show last fall during the uh, playoff runs, Homer picks are allowed at any point for any reason. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, hell, if it was, uh, if we make a historical rematch of a season, if it was down to Sosa versus Maguire, I would put money on you betting on Sosa to kick Maguire's ass. <laughs> on what I know now, no, absolutely well, not. Yeah, I get that now, but if we're looking at them in the prime and when we still had the blinders on about steroids, 100% Sosa. <laughs> oh, poor Sammy. All right, so Jason this year, he made his picks based off of playing the show. He put the players in and played them as well. 
Uh, let's see here. All right, so he had Schwarber over Pujols, 22 to 21. Soto over Ramirez, 21 to 20. Seeger over Julio, 17 16. Although he thinks the game is Julio's power too low. Um, he did not give me the score for how badly he knocked out Acuna. Um, and then Schwarps and Soto, he had Soto taking that one 26 24. And then Seeger Alonso in a swing off. Alonso winning it as time expired. So Soto Alonso, that sounds familiar. And then he had Alonso the three peat 22 to 21. So Jason's uh, highly scientific picks using MLB the show is Pete Alonso with the three peat. And I have to say, as much as it drives me nuts, I love MLB playing up the three Pete moniker for Mr. Alonso. That's uh, <laughs> pretty funny. All right, but like I said, it's one of my favorite parts of any skill contest, so I'm excited to watch it tomorrow night. I just, I, I hope if Acuna gets knocked out by Alonzo, which unfortunately probably will, I just hope it's a good competitive first round and that he pushes Alonzo to the limit to hurt him down the road. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd like to see, um, I'd like to see baseball do more skill stuff than just the home run derby. I'd like to see a bunch yeah. contest. I'd like to see us a base running contest, to be honest with you. I that would, would be, be pretty fun. sweet. That um, would be sweet. You know, put put the best outfielders out there, see if they can throw the guy out at home. That would be fun. Yeah. Um, uh, the only problem with that is the potential for collisions at home plate for a skills contest. I don't think a lot of managers are going to be okay with that one. Right, and, and I think instead of doing that, you just have a net at the plate. Okay. Uh, like, you know, well, you know what you could do instead of... You have a net right at, at the plate and the, you know, it's a finite window, this net, and it, it basically is the height of a catcher when he's when he's dropping down to catch a ball at the plate. And if they, you know, hit this, you know, a foot, you know, a foot above the plate and below, the guy's out. Well... You know that ma that makes an interesting idea. Instead of putting the runner on, make it make it a make it a power and accuracy to the plate thing. You know, you get the most points for accuracy, but the throw is timed, so time comes into consideration, and then maybe give a bonus for how much for the MPH and the throw to the plate. Yeah, you know, that would I would I would absolutely watch that. That would be great. With 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 the uh, with the base running thing too, you could either do you know plays at the plate or guys stealing second, and you know I, I'd put this guy up against anybody. Um, you know I put I'd put Wilson up against anybody trying to take second. Oh yeah, no questions. Um, the only two the only two guys that I can think of that would do better than that could, and I don't think they would. They're not there yet in the future. Um, the, the guys from Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, uh, I, I'm completely blanking on names tonight cause I did not prep anything for either of those two teams, but, um, yeah, those guys are solid, but right now Contreras is the king of the catchers defensively. And there is no question about that. Sure as hell isn't Darno. I can tell you that. <laughs> and, uh, well, Will Contreras is getting better behind the plate defensively. He's got a long way to go to fill his big brother's shoes because uh, his big brother is so damn good. Now, I, I will say this. Uh, in the future, that position will be occupied by Mr. Shea Langoliers, who used to be in Atlanta but is now in Oakland. So, Because uh, that dude has a cannon. 
and uh, Real Muto would probably would be a good guy to have in there too. I, you know, I wouldn't even be upset if they had both a stealing and then a catcher accuracy to second contest as well. Like they could do it as two separate or at the same time. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a pretty sweet contest to watch as well. So let's add the outfield throw. Let's add the stealing second, the catcher throw to second, and uh, the bunting skills contest. I, I think all three of those would be fantastic to watch. You know what? And it would grow the game too. Like it would yeah. grow an audience because, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. I love the Derby. I always have. Yeah. But that drags on, man. Holy hell. Yeah. Especially when you have a swing off in every single freaking round. Yeah, that's like, I'm just glad they've changed it from outs to time because that did speed it up a little bit. I wasn't sure if I was going to like that, but it's worked. It's worked, and, you know, you don't have to worry about the pitcher taking his doggone sweet time trying to find trying to put a perfect pitch down every single time. You know, I, I still ask this question. Why in God's name has nobody ever asked Greg Maddox to be the pitcher for the home run derby? You could tell that man where you want the pitch and at what speed and which way you want it to break, and he'll put it right on that dot every single time for you. Now, Maddox might throw one at you because he'd be tired of giving up home runs because that was the kind of competitor he was. But, you know, um, I I remember one time, I I forget where I read this, man. Um, One time, Maddox did get really pissed at some guy. I think he showboated after a home run and hit him with a 94-mile-an-hour fastball. Greg Maddox, who rarely broke more than 89 to 91, 92, was like, oh, yeah, I could absolutely throw it that fast. I don't need to. All right, man. He's something else, that's for sure. Still one of my all-time favorite pitchers to watch. We were lucky to watch him growing up, man. Yeah. (laughs) That guy was phenomenal. All right, so let's uh, so let's move on from the uh, festivities that will be occurring this week. Hopefully, the concession worker strike will also be resolved by that point. I've not heard anything out of that lately. Um, I've been keeping a wary eye on ESPN because I'm sure they'll be the first ones to, or near the first ones to drop it when that comes out. Let's talk about two awesome winning streaks that have been ongoing. Uh, one was just snapped, and the other is still ongoing. The Orioles, their streak ended on Friday night at 10 games. The Rays snapped it. Uh, Christian Betancourt had a home run Friday night. That is the longest winning streak in a single season for the Orioles franchise since they won 13 straight in 1999. And, Joe, the last time they had a streak that long, Sammy Sosa played for the Orioles. I <laughs> Insane. It's been that long. Um, I, I I know Jim's been absolutely over the moon. Uh, the uh, the uh, huddle up page has been throwing Orioles stuff up almost every night during the winning streak. So I I know Jim's over the moon, and I mean the Orioles man right now. I who would have thought that the Orioles were going to, well, okay, you, because you didn't predict they'd be in the basement at the beginning of the year. I know that. But who would have thought by the end of the first half they were at 500 at 46 and 46? And although a wild card spot's not likely, they are only three and a half games out of a wild card spot right now at the end of the first half. And they've got the first pick in the draft tonight. Yeah. I tell you what, man, they're buyers. I'm calling it yeah. now. They ought to buy and I, I don't think they're going to get a, re- a short-term rental guy, but I think one of these younger guys that has a year or two of club control, I could absolutely see them making a run at a guy like that. 
Ian Hap, for example. Yeah, I, I could see Hap. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing, though, dude. The Orioles have a great farm system, so if the Orioles make you a good offer, I th- I, I would take that, honestly. Well, um, I, that's one of, one of the best systems in the majors overall. Yeah, pretty much so, and, and their bullpen's been lights out this year. I mean, we, we were worried about what they would do without John Means, and they've been their bullpen has been up for the task and has has performed amazingly for this the stretch that they're on. And yeah. I'm happy to be a part of that, you know, winning streak by contributing a couple of losses this past week. So, you know, I wasn't even going to mention that. I was just going to let that slide, but hey, go ahead. All yours, man. Hey, man, <laughs> I, I'm, I, I've accepted the fate. You know, I have accepted the fate. I, uh, you know, again, I had the brown bag prepped for, for losing today and being on a 10 game losing streak for the probably fourth or fifth time in the last year. So, Hey, whatever. Yeah, I get it. I do. All right. And then the other big winning streak going on right now, it's still ongoing. The Mariners, they're now up to 14 straight wins. Their franchise record is 15. That came back in 2001 when they went 116 and 46, not saying they're going to get to 116 and 46 this year, but. No, you know, but 2001 is the last year that they made the playoffs. So correct, yeah, that's correct. Um, and at this point in the playoff standings, they are in a wild card spot, so they would make the playoffs if the season was over today. Um, they've won 22 of their last 25 games overall. They have won eight series in a row, and I believe the record for that's uh, 14 back in 2001. Now, he here's a fun stat, Joe. This is the longest winning streak going into an all-star break in MLB history. That record was previously shared by the 75 Reds and the 35 Tigers who went into the all-star break with 10 straight wins. Do you know what, what thing the 75 Reds and the 35 Tigers have in common? Well, I'm assuming 70s, so I'm assuming they both won the World Series. That's correct. He has 75 Reds. That was a safe bet. That might have been too easy of a question. Big red machine. Come on now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a scary good baseball team. Um, and with that 14th win, they've tied Atlanta's 14-game streak from earlier that was ended by the Cubs as the longest streak in baseball this season. So that's, uh, that's a hell of a streak. Now let's see if they can keep that momentum through this long all-star break because that's, yeah, that's definitely something to consider. Um, and if they play the Cubs anytime soon, since apparently the Cubs are the masters at ending long winning streaks, who knows? All right. And then one, yeah. (laughs) And then Juan Soto, uh, everybody's favorite guy to bash, because let's face it. Uh, you don't like him. I really don't like him. Uh, Jason, I'm sure he doesn't like him much either. He, uh, turned down. The latest offer from the Nationals, he earlier their offer was 13 years, $350 million. They upped it to 15 years, $440 million. This would have been the largest contract in baseball history. Turned it down because he wants the hell out of that moribund sinking into the muck franchise that won the World Series in 2019. Let's remember that. They, they haven't won that long ago, and they've been losing ever since. He's um, reminds me of another team on the north side of Chicago. The one that's <laughs> the World Series not too long ago. 
You know what the best day was back. <laughs> anyway, um, so since Soto declined that offer, the Nationals are now listening to trade offers, which I'm assuming they've been doing all along, at least quietly, to test the market. Here's the thing. Juan Soto is, I'm pretty sure, a Scott Boris client. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I'm pretty sure he's a Boris client. Um Scott Ward's clients are not known for signing extensions mid-season. Never have been. Never will be. That's not what Scott Boris is all about. And um, you know the Nationals are going to ask for everything that they can possibly get. All right. All right. Let yeah, me ask you is. this. You might know this better than I do. It is, is this like the last year or does he have like three more years left or what nope. the hell? He's a free agent after the season. He is a rental at this point. And I, yeah, I, I did just confirm it. it. His agent is Scott Boris. So, yeah. Uh, so, not that the Cubs are buying because they're clearly not in that position. But if the Cubs, <laughs> if the Cubs were buyers in a theoretical situation, a theoretical simulation where they were not playing like absolute dog crap this season. How much do you think it would take for the Cubs to send in a package to get Juan Soto? And don't just, don't just say, don't just say Schwindy city because he strikes out too much and you want him the hell off the team because of that. No, no, no team would want that bullshit. Um, <laughs> Let's see. It would take it would take Wilson, it would take Saya, it would take Ian Happ, it would take PCA, and probably Caleb Killian at least. <laughs> that's a ridiculous uh, um, moment. And 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 that's none of those guys I want to give up, obviously. Um no. <laughs> but yeah, I I I can't for the life of me understand the play here i really can't um like if if, i i guess i could understand turning down the money if you're gonna go for something lower but if you sign on to that 440 or god forbid i mentioned this 500 million like makes you shudder if if that's what you're going to do then you're bound to be the mike the next mike trout who has a massive contract, but has a shitty team. Like and even let's, and even let's be honest, the Angels so are a better team. The Angels than were garbage. Uh, But even still, the Angels actually have some talent around Trout. I mean, they've got Shohei at least, whereas the Nationals right. just have Soto and Bell. I mean, the Angels, they, they were playing well until they hit multiple bad losing streaks that plummeted them to 39 and 53, which is still better than the Nationals at 31 and 63. But not by much. <laughs> uh, that's enough, though. It's, it's better than the Cubs, that's for damn sure. Well, yeah, there is that. So I, I, and I shared this in our group chat earlier, Joe. Um, fansided.com. Juan Soto rumors, what a Braves-Nats trade would look like. For the Braves to get Juan Soto, they're predicting that the Braves have to give up Ian Anderson, William Contreras, Michael Harris, Spencer Strider, Kyle Wright, and Kyle Mueller. Hell no. No. Hell no. I wouldn't. 
there is no way I would even consider that trade. First of all, Atlanta doesn't need outfielders this year. They might grab they might grab a depth piece, but I would I, to be honest, I would actually be surprised if they even do that. They're well set. They've got Acuna, they've got Harris, they've got Rosario, Nozuna, and Duvall. You don't need anybody else. That outfield has plenty of players to play to cycle people through, give people rest. <laughs> Atlanta's not trading for outfield this year. If they trade for anything, they might grab another a depth piece of infield, maybe some more pitching. Because let's face it, uh, Alex Alex Andopoulos will always listen to trade offers at least, whether he's going to make a deal himself or not. Um, and after last year, I will never, ever doubt Alex Andopoulos. You'd be an idiot to do that. Um, that's that that's got to be one of the most horrible one sided trades for a rent. Like, and I, I feel like whoever wrote that trade up didn't take into account that this is just a two month rental. He's not even signed after this. And I, I could maybe see that deal being palatable if he were willing to sign an extension as part of the trade, but he's not. He's a Boris client. They want to hit free agency and test the market and drive their price up as much as they can. Now, you know, that's if this makes any sense, is it in the Bronx, where you could yeah. get rid of Joey Gallo and replace him with Watson? Yeah. <laughs> like, and honestly, the Nationals are gullible and dumb enough that I could see them taking a trade with Joey Gallo in it to dump Juan Soto on the Yankees. Because yep. the, the Yankees do have some good farm pieces that they could ask for. Um, honestly, you know they'd love to try and send them to Baltimore for that farm system. Baltimore's not going to touch that. They won't want anything to do with that. So the other place you're looking at is contenders that are all in for it now. Um, Tampa Bay would be a place they'd probably try to shop him. I don't think Tampa Bay is going to give them any offers on it. Minnesota's got their outfield set. I don't think Houston would make an offer. I doubt Seattle would make an offer. Uh, here's an interesting one. The Mets, I would almost say, except they just spent like $400 million on their outfield last offseason. So they, I don't think they're going to be – I don't think that they would do that. Also, I, I, I kind of doubt the Nationals are going to take an interdivision trade unless they absolutely get their socks blown off with an offer. Um, I, I, what do you think about Milwaukee and St. Louis? I, Milwaukee, I feel like they always need to add bats. I feel like that team is a team that's got Rowdy Tellez and not a whole hell of a lot else hitting offensively. Yeah, I mean, Yelich has started hitting again a, a bit the last few weeks, but I don't necessarily think that, you know, similar to, to our, our axiom where you can never have enough pitching. I don't think the Brewers can ever have enough hitting, yeah, because they don't have enough. Um, no, they don't. You know, and yeah, could they benefit? Sure. I just don't know where they'd play them other than DH. I don't yeah. know who all their outfielders are. Kane is is rarely playing, if at all. I think, if I'm not mistaken, um, you you know you could you could plug them in at at outfield, but. A guy like that needs, if you're going to pay that kind of money for him, needs to have every day at bats. And, you know, would they put him in the outfield or would they put him in DH and shift that? I don't know. Um, I don't think he makes a ton of sense in New York either in 
in Queens. I, I don't think that makes a ton of sense. Um, besides the fact it's a, it's a division thing, I, I don't think it makes a ton of sense based on what they've been able to do as a club. So outfield is Yelich, Tyrant, well, Tyrant Taylor's on the seven day, so he probably has COVID. So it's Jonathan Davis right now, and then Renfro and Wright, and they still have Andrew McCutcheon to back him up. Uh, yeah, I'm not really seeing a hole in the outfield for that. I mean, Kutch is also used as the DH. He would be an upgrade over Kutch at DH, but that's an expensive upgrade for just a DH. I, I, um, the only place, the way that would make sense to me is if you moved Renfro to center and put Soto at, in right field every day. Or I don't right like Soto's field. arm and right. Huh? I don't like Soto's arm and right, to be honest I don't, with you. I don't necessarily like it either, but the having a, a strong bat like that every day, whether yeah. it's right field or, or DH. Um, and then, of course, the other options are always the big three out in the West, the Dodgers, the Padres, and the Giants. And as we learned last year, there is no trade the Dodgers will not consider um, at the trade deadline if they think it will make their roster better. I mean, they raided the Nationals last year and got Max Scherzer and got um, – Trey Turner. Yeah, Trey Turner. Thank you. Uh, for some reason, my mind was blanking. Um, I, I don't know if they've rebuilt their farm system enough to take on, to be able to send enough pieces though, to the nationals for Juan Soto, because the asking price as high as it was last year for Scherzer and Turner. And I think they actually got, I, I think they actually got off pretty easy on that one. It's going to be significantly higher for Soto. Um, I, you know, was- I wouldn't be surprised to see the giants or the Padres try and sneak in and make a move though. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody tries to do something, but this seems more like a, like you said, this is kind of upping upping the price and, and trying to test the water before the trade deadline really heats up here. Uh, this doesn't seem like a smart move, if you ask me. I, no, I agree. You look, you look like, an, to, be, to be frank here, you look like an asshole for turning down $440 million. I'm sorry, you do. Um, you know... Mike Mike Trout took his deal, and before Shohei Otani, the Angels were garbage. Sorry, yeah, they were. Um, you know, so so Mike Trout took his deal to stay in Anaheim and be on a perennial loser team, and and Soto will be doing the same thing if he took a deal with with the Nationals. Let's be honest about that. But yeah. you know, th- this is nothing more than bumping up the asking price two weeks, but two two and a half weeks before the trade deadline. Really, yeah. Um, do you think that 15 year 440 offer is still going to be in the table from the nationals after the season once he's traded away somewhere else? No, I think they're doing it to see if it sweetens the pot and some desperate team who has a, a very tiny window to win, which some of the, you know, a, a club like the white Sox, for example, or, mm-hmm. you know, um, one of those clubs that's in a very small window where you're either going to win now or you're not going to win for 10 years. Um, you know, but I, you know, this that's is a good thought. That's a team I hadn't even, I hadn't even really thought of. I kind of glanced over them, but the white Sox, I could absolutely see them making a deal for Juan Soto because they should be dominating this division and they're in third place right now. 
Well, and, and how much of this with the White Sox is either A, management. Yes. B, ownership, which yes. ties into management. Um, you know, and, and C is just bad luck. Because, I mean, let, let's be honest here. Yes. Injuries happen in every on every club and in every division. You know, it, there's a reason that Adrian Sampson has made three starts in a row for the Cubs on his, on his turn because everybody else in the rotation is on the DL. <laughs> like, you know, every, injuries happen, and that's a stupid excuse for a ball club to make with regards to how bad they're doing. You know, Ryan Thorpe is LaRusso's best friend. Ryan Storff has buyer's remorse for getting rid of LaRusa 20 years ago and won't get rid of LaRusa when his team's not performing. Now, granted, they're, they're back within, what, three and a half, four games as of tonight? So, you know. Uh, three. Yeah. They're back within three games, which, again, not time to panic yet if you're on the south side. But you clearly need to make an addition. Eloy can't stay healthy. Um and, and the team Soto, can't stay Soto, you know, instantaneously improves that, but eh. yeah, I, I, I don't know. Well, <laughs> and remember Tony Larusa, my players aren't dogging it. They were told not to run out balls to first base. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh Tony, 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 Tony. We're, we're talking about a team that is owned by the same guy who said, "Let yeah, we won three championships in a row. Let's break up the band. Yeah, dumbass. Yeah, with the Bulls. The guy wins six championships and says, ah, screw it. Let's break it up. You freaking retard. You deserve yeah. to lose. I, I, I can't. Ryan, Ryan Storff, yeah. Yep. You summed it up pretty perfectly. It's, that That is like, what? 24 years of pent-up anger against Jerry Reinsdorf right there? I'm surprised that's all it is. I'm surprised it's not more. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue with six championships in seven, eight years, so I'll take it. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. Jeez. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, we'll we'll have to you know we'll keep an eye on it. We'll see where things go. I you know I who knows who knows it's going to be yeah it's it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I I'm really 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 curious to see um, to see where uh, Juan Soto ends up after free agency and for how much money. Because it's not going to be, uh, it's definitely not going to be what Soto's expecting, I don't think. All right. Jason, unfortunately, did not send us any freaking down the farm players this week. So I'm going to pull one locally for us. Um, I'm going to feature Lancaster Barnstormers catcher Colton Shaver. Um, the, he was at his contract was actually just purchased by the Toronto Blue Jays, and he's going to be headed to AAA Buffalo. He is going to leave the Barnstormers with a season average at 266, 11 home runs, 41 RBIs. Um, he had 16 doubles, 10 of which came in a 12 game span from June 3rd to June 16th. Um, he had thrown out 12 of 61 base stealers and led a pitching staff that's climbed into the top half of the uh, Atlantic League in ERA. 
Um, prior to coming to Lancaster, he had spent five years in the Houston organization. Um, he had hit 21 homers between High Fayetteville and Class AA Corpus Christi in 2019, and then belted 12 at Class AAA Sugarland in 2021. So um, he's actually the third barnstormer to have his contract purchased this year. Um, right-handed pitcher Brent Teller and, of the, went to the Diamondbacks, and outfielder B.J. Boyd went to the Angels. So, um, you know, that's pretty exciting that we've seen the barnstormers do well enough that they've had three guys that the uh, MLB teams have come in and swooped up. So, uh, uh, you know, congratulations to um, uh, to Colton. I really wish he was staying because dude can freaking rake. But that's awesome for him that he's back in uh, th- that he's back in a franchise's farm system and has a chance to make it up to the show one day and get added to the wall around the stadium for former players who made it to the majors. Yeah, that really is neat, and I think, you know, for guys like us who go to Barnstormer games, it's not always about the end result. It's about players that are able to be productive, and and mm-hmm. congratulations to him for, for being productive enough to get picked up. And get a nice pay raise, too, I'm assuming. <laughs> that minor league contract from a, when you're in the farm system is usually a little better than what you're getting paid in the Atlantic League. All right, so uh, let's hop on to um, our teams. I'll get. I'll give you a break, Joe. I'll take the lead on this one. So uh, it was a mixed week for the Braves. They dropped two out of three from the Mets. That was a little disappointing to see, especially at home. But they rebounded to take three or four from the Nationals on the road to end the first half. So pick up a little momentum ending the first half. Um, two players I want to highlight this week, Joe, uh, for Atlanta. Number one, uh, newly added to the All Star break, All Star team, well deserved, uh, Mr. Austin Riley. Uh, this is his split over the last week. He's batting 310, 333, 759. He scored five runs, nine hits, four homers, five RBIs, walked eight strikeouts. That's over 29 at bats. Um, Riley tore it up last week. And at one point, he had hit something like three and five or four home runs in five days, something crazy like that. And it wasn't all against the Nationals either. He was doing it against the Mets staff as well. Um, I just love seeing it for the kid. I mean, he has raised his season average up to where the heck did it go? I he's up to 285, 348, 575. So his OPS in the season is 923. Um, dude's having a great season. He belted, he's now up to 27 home runs. His career high was last year at 33. I think it's pretty safe to say he's going to shatter that total by the end of this season. Um, I'm really excited to see what he does in the second half. And then the other guy I wanted to uh, highlight, and this time uh, primarily defensively because he made a throw I haven't seen since Andrew Jones patrolled center field. Um, I'm talking about Michael Harris, the set, the, the third, excuse me, not, not the second. Oh, no, it is the second. My bad. Sorry, Mike. Um, Harris, uh, his power arm is absolutely ridiculous. Um, Joe, I actually... I, you had sent the message about it, and then I actually was uh, looking at highlights from that game and saw the throw like three seconds after you said, holy crap, that throw. Fly ball to center field. This dude catches it, flat-footed, throws a bullet to the plate to nail the runner trying to tag from third base. Holy crap. <laughs> I mean, first of all, he stabilized Atlanta's 
Atlanta's outfield defense in a brilliant way because now Duvall doesn't have to play center and get himself worn out all the time. He can go back out to left field and uh, push Ozuna back into the DH where he belongs because Ozuna's got a freaking noodle arm. Or over to right field to give Acuna a day off, at least in the outfield. Um, but Harris has also done a great job stabilizing the offense since he came up. Um, this past week was a little bit rough for him, but overall for the season, he's now played 48 games. He's batting 283, 319, 497 with an 816 OPS. He has hit eight home runs. He's got two triples, nine doubles. That's a that's a total of 86 bases. He has he has collected in 48 games plus an incredible arm in the outfield, and he's got good speed too. He's stolen 10 bases and has not been thrown out yet. Not bad. Yeah, that's impressive. Um, it, it's really nice to see that they're finding stability from guys and giving Acuna really a chance to – I know he's had had some a good go of it lately, but I think um, taking the pressure off a bit it, it has been good for him, I think. Plus, putting Harris at nine where they've had him, it, it really it, it turns that lineup over faster with Acuna at the top and to have two speed guys back-to-back like that. And if Dansby's batting second behind Acuna, you've got three speed guys in a row right there. That's scary. And all three of those speed guys have pop. Yeah, it, it's really neat to see. Basically, you almost have down lower in the order in a, in a spot like Harris is in where you have o- almost two leadoff hitters really. Um, yeah. And that really improves the quality of your offense when you have, you know, leadoff hitter type ability throughout the order and, and particularly at the bottom and the top because, you know, and, and obviously adding the DH has helped this quite a bit for the national league, but um, you know, when you don't have, you know, cupcakes at eight and nine, it, it changes the mentality of, of, of a pitcher and how they're going to attack a lineup and how they're going to, you know, do things. And it's like, well, if I don't pitch to Harris, I still have to face Acuna. So this is ridiculous. I'm going to pitch yeah. to the guy. Um, you know, Acuna is going to, we know is Acuna will make you pay. And, and, and Harris is doing that too, but Harris is getting more pitching because Acuna is batting next. Absolutely. They don't want to just put Harris on because Harris will steal second and then Acuna is going to drive him in with a double or a home run. So it's, yeah, it's, it's absolutely changed the Atlanta lineup completely top to bottom. I mean, there's not really much of a break in that lineup unless Duvall's playing because Duvall's playing like crap and whoever's playing at second base right now for Aussie. RC has been doing a pretty good job. I think he's batting like 250, 260 something, which is absolutely fine as a replacement for Aussie Albies. Frankly, uh, Aussie's been a little down this year, so that is probably about what Aussie's been hitting, maybe even a little bit better. Um, and Robinson Cano, we didn't have the huge revenge game, but he did collect two hits, I know, that first game against the Mets. So, hey, the Mets paid him a lot of money to get hits against the Mets. So that works out just fine for me. And by the way, Joe, Atlanta paid San Diego $1 for the rights to uh, his contract. 
Absolutely brilliant move, if you ask me. Where, where, where did they broker that deal at? The local AAA? Holy shit. Well, he had no, you know, San Diego picked him up on waivers because they weren't going to have to basically pay him anything because the Mets were on the hook for his whole contract, basically. And then uh, San Diego's got a bottleneck at second base and Tatis is about to come back. So the middle of their infield set, they had no place for him. So, hey, why not pick up a dollar for a guy that you stashed in AAA anyway? You know, it's not like anybody was going to pay you more than a couple bucks for him. He's not, you know, we're not talking about the guy who went out to Seattle on that original massive deal. No, we're talking about a guy that's getting that that's 39 years old, has been suspended twice for steroids use and is a shell of his former self. So, you know, I, I, hey, I'd say a dollar and a couple pounds of black and catfish sounds like a great deal to me. Yeah, there's certainly the benefit of that deal. That's for sure. Um, uh, you know, two hits against the Mets might be more hits than he had for the Mets this year. I don't know. It's not the sad thing is that's probably not that far off. <laughs> All right, so Joe, something I did with Logan a couple weeks ago, uh, as we were nearing the end of the first half, I asked him to grade his team on how he thought they were doing. Um, I figured since I'm just dropping this on you and I didn't warn you about this ahead of time, I figured I will, uh, I'll, I'll go first. So I asked Logan to grade the team based on how we thought they were doing offensively, defensively, starting bullpen and overall. So, um, for Atlanta offensively, I'm going to give them an A minus. The power has been there. They lead the majors in home runs very significantly. They don't always get the timely hitting. They tend to strike out a lot because they're shooting for the fences. But let's face it, they've climbed from a team that was more bound down the standings to being second in the division, 56 and 38, two and a half games out of the All-Star break. And uh, honestly, they're playing pretty damn good baseball right now. They've looked great since Acuna's come back. So I, I'm going to give them good marks for the offense. Um, Pitching-wise, their starting pitching has been absolutely phenomenal this year. Um, their staff ERA is seventh in the league. Right, I'm sorry, tied for sixth, actually, with the Mets right now. Um, and they've converted 34 out of – they've converted 34 saves so far. I, I keep forgetting you can't just look at the save opportunity number because that, that accounts for, like, blown saves in the sixth inning, which I don't really count as a missed save opportunity. Um, so starting pitching-wise, especially because of Spencer Strider coming in to stabilize that rotation, so I'm hoping that he moves up to four and Anderson down to five. Morton's been coming on doing better. Um Kyle Wright has been an absolute gem to watch. And Max Freed's been Max Freed. He did, he did pick up his 10th win on Saturday. So I'm going to give the starting rotation, I'm going to give him a B plus, I think. Also four guys with hundred plus strikeouts. You know, that's not fair. I'm going to go with an A minus as well. That's not fair to discount that as well. Um, bullpen, a little rocky at times. It's especially early before things stabilize. They had some injuries. Some guys have had to step up. I'm going to go B plus. Uh, they, you know, I was honestly impressed with how well they did when Jansen was injured. Um, team defense was pretty bad to start the year, for being completely honest, but they're doing much better now. The Braves are tied for fourth in the majors right now in fielding percentage at .988. I can't argue with that. 
I'm going to go with an A for defense. I'm going to say overall probably about a B plus. But give if if the first month wasn't so bad, I would have no qualms giving them an A. But I I you know I got to take that into account. So I'm I'm going to say B plus for the defending champs right now. Um, so and I just found out today that Kirby Yates is starting his rehab assignment off to, uh, recovering from Tommy John surgery. So that's another arm to look forward to for Atlanta over the next month to get ready for September, because you can never have enough bullpen arms in September and beyond. So, um, and let's face it, Endopolis will make a move for a bullpen arm if the right deal is there. So, Hey, I've got no complaints. Uh, it, what do you think of my scoring? <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's hard to argue with where they are now based on how they were playing in April. Um, but, you know, I, I, it's not too much to, to complain about. Pitching-wise, they've been great. Um, mm. Bullpen is – Yeah. Anderson. <laughs> yeah. Uh, bullpen is, you know, sometimes good, sometimes bad. Um, offensively, they're on fire now. Um, it's hard to argue with what you've got. Must be nice I, to have it. Like I said, I, I I can't complain too much or think I'm going to get booed off the show by my co-host tonight. Um, uh, Atlanta, oh, they're they're still second in MLB in home runs. The Yankees are still ten ahead of them, but that's uh, uh, th- that gap was at like fifteen to twenty at one point. So I, that Atlanta's closing in on the Yankees is pretty damn good because that Yankees team can mash. So uh, yeah, I can't complain about that. All right, Joe, how about them Cubbies? You want me to grade this dumpster fire? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, you could just go – if you want to say F across the board, I'll understand, and you could just move on with your past week. <laughs> Look, you know, we're going to create a – you know, we're used to this standard grading system of A, B, C, D, and F. I've got a new grade for you. D, F is combined. is a dumpster fire. <laughs> The, the bullpen is good one day and bad the next. The hitting has been atrocious, and we'll get to that as we go along here this evening. Um, starting pitching, look, they made a couple of acquisitions in the offseason, expecting that to bear fruit, and it just hasn't. Um, Pitching-wise, starting pitching, I'm going to give them a step up. I'm going to give them like a, you know, D plus, maybe C minus from what I've been seeing from some of the other guys that have been brought up and, and put in starting roles. Um, yeah, offensively, they've been terrible. The bullpen has been spotty at best. And defensively, you know, I'm going to give them defensively, I'm going to give them a, you know, D plus. And the only reason I'm giving them a D plus is because Nico Horner is a badass at shortstop. <laughs> yeah, he's the only thing that's going well defensively. Um, the Cubs are tied for 26th in the league with a .982 fielding percentage right now. See, I figured you'd bring the numbers. I don't need to do. You know, I don't need to look at the numbers. I, I, I I'm an eye guy. You know, I see what they what they perform on the field. You know, the only the other guy I would say too, and, and maybe my the, the defensive grade goes up. C minus maybe Ian Happ and having Wilson behind the plate for as long as we yeah. have him behind the plate. Those three guys have been phenomenal defensively. Wisdom is pretty good defensively, but 
Everybody else is kind of okay. Yeah, I mean, grading this dumpster fire is kind of a cruel and unusual punishment, in my opinion. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, I've done wor I, I've done worse things. I feel like overall, <laughs> probably, um, probably Wilson. But. Let's see. Wilson has a, let's see. He's thrown out 26% of runners this season. So he's a little bit under his career average of 29%, but still uh, throwing out one in four runners, trying to run on you with a pitching staff that has one of these has, I think at this point, the slowest average MPH starter in uh, Kyle Hendricks is uh that's respectable, actually. Well, I mean, you uh, also have to take into account, I think, with, with Wilson, that number is he's not catching every day anymore. So Yeah, that's true. I think that that kind of grazed, grazed that number and that statistic a little bit. Um, the the well, man is like, still clutch behind the plate, defending and yeah. blocking and, and catching and, and all that stuff, so. Well, and here's the thing. The league leader in caught stealing percentage right now is JT Real Muto. He's thrown out 44% of runners, but he has had fewer attempts against him. At, he's only allowed, what, 20 for 16. Um, oh, no, he actually has had more. You know what? Forget that point I was about to make. Uh, okay, so Real Muto's had a little bit better year throwing guys out. Um, Real Muto has a better arm, I think, but Wilson also blocks better than almost anybody i've seen this year so some of those throws he is that he even gets close on it's because he saved a shit ball and still manages to come close to throwing the guy out um i don't know what the league average is for runners thrown out i'll, I'll tell you this i'm sure it's better than travis darno who just i love the guy i hate it i i hate it when he's behind the plate because i never know what i'm gonna get um his percentage is actually up for this year. He's finally up to 23%, but he's still allowed 30 guys to steal bases against him uh, versus Real Muto, who's allowed 20, and uh, Wilson, who's allowed 15. So, yeah, I, I've got – yeah, I, I think you're okay justifyingly having Wilson by himself single-handedly raise that defensive score to at least a C. That's about as high as I'm I'm willing to go based on what I've got on the I, field. I, I wouldn't go higher than a C. He can't raise it that much. He's only one guy. Baseball's a team sport after all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, gonna, so. Yeah, he's probably going to be the only gold glove candidate on that team. And, uh, yeah, you know, I don't know. How, I don't know how they award the gold glove when the guy moves teams because he gets traded. So we'll have to see how that happens. Well, if he stays in the same league, that'll help. But um, yeah. his chances there. You know who else I expect to maybe get a gold glove? Because, you know, I know they won't DFA him. Maybe Jason Hayward will be in contention for a gold glove this year. I mean, they started him enough where they probably should have kept him on the bench. So who knows? <laughs> yeah, you never know. So, so getting back to this dumpster fire of a ball club um, that we affectionately call the Chicago Cubs. Um they started off this week. We talked about the Orioles. They lost both games against the Orioles this week um, to extend that winning streak to 10 in a row for the Orioles. Congratulations, Big Jim. And uh, 
Congratulations, Baltimore. I'm happy to assist in Baltimore's recovery. <laughs> um, game one's 4-2 loss. Urias went three for four, and Mateo had a homer and an RBI, a run and a stolen base. You know, guys just showed up. Um, Ian Happ's the only guy that really did much for them in that game, and Lopez had his 17th save of the year um, in that game. Um Game two, seven to one loss. Watkins for Baltimore. Uh, five innings, four hits, a run, five strikeouts. Um, you know they're finding ways to get games won based on what they have in place. Um, Hayes went four for five, a double and a run in this one. Um, Justin Steele, six innings, six hits, three runs, three strikeouts. Um, you know Steele did. Was, was crappy early and and found a way to, in in John Lester fashion, kind of eat up some innings for you um, and and make a good a bad start look not so bad. Um, you know, but a loss is a loss, and, and 7-1 is not what you want. Um, it, it was 6-1 or 6 nothing until uh, Daniel Norris, who is, thank God, DFA'd from the Chicago Cubs, um, balked in the ninth inning and then it was seven to one and or seven nothing and it's just stupid uh i feel like we have seen more runs scored on balks in the last week than we have in probably months or seasons at this point it's ridiculous um yeah so that's that was the orioles the, this Mets series they lost um three games and then they won today um Monday or Thursday was an eight nothing loss. That was the biggest loss of the weekend, which surprises you. Um, you know, um, Nimmo went three for four in that one, a homer, a double, a walk, an RBI and two runs. So Nimmo by himself was a money ball player of the game for the Mets uh, in this one. Um, Keegan had a real bad start four and a third, Eight hits, five runs, four walks. Really uncharacteristic is the way to describe this one for him because he's been so dominant and so give me the ball. I want the ball um, on the on the rubber this year. Um, he has eight walks so far in July. Um, but in April, May, and June, he had five, six, and ten walks respectively. So he's... He's finding, you know, he's having a little bit of, of trouble here in July, but, you know, uncharacteristic and, and a lot of hard line drives where guys weren't at um, in this game against the Mets. So you're going to have games like that. I'm not, you know, down on the guy at all by any means. Um, but, you know, a loss is a loss. Um, you know, they didn't play Friday, so Saturday we had – you know, I had the joy of watching my Cubs do, uh, you know, something that they shouldn't have done um, on Saturday. They lost two games in extra innings uh, to the Mets. The fact they made it to extra innings against the Mets is a miracle in and of itself. And it's cruel and unusual punishment again because you're, you're literally like, I'm expecting blowout losses all weekend and you're you're in a tie game in the ninth inning and you make me watch it. And then you make me want to vomit. Like, this is ridiculous. Based on the statistic we threw out last week, I think the Cubs are now um, 
10 for 13. You know, 10 of their last 13 or 12 of their last 13 runners, the courtesy runner in the extra innings, they have not scored. Um, it's kind of ridiculous. Um, just it's, you know, there's not much to say about this. You know, Stroh had a good game finally, but he threw 83 pitches and four and a third. So, you know, he can't go long enough to, you know, possibly give them a shot. Um, Wisdom, and I, I kind of lit up the, the group chat with this on Saturday, but Wisdom went 0 for 4 in the first game. Two huge strikeouts in the 7th and in the 10th. Um, and in the 10th, he swung on ball 4, which was just stupid. Um, yeah, that was bad. Terrible. You know, it, yeah. And they, you know, a couple of double plays they ground into in game, in game 1 of the doubleheader. Velasquez steals third in the, in the bottom of the t- Wisdom and Higgins both strike out. Wisdom strikes out swinging at a hobby pitch, and Higgins strikes out looking. And Morel tries to beat out a, a round ball and, and doesn't because Escobar made a hell of a play. Um, Otto Vino in this one went was excellent. David Robertson was excellent in this one. Um, hint to anybody who needs a closer. Um <laughs> Everybody. Both of those guys went two innings and and really gave both their clubs a chance. Um, so we're going to talk about wisdom for a second here. Wisdom had 153 strikeouts in the 2021 season. Now, as of this morning, and he didn't strike out today, surprisingly, um, he has 124, and it's the All Star break. That's... The guy had 153 strikeouts last year and wasn't even a part of the club until July or, you know, June or something. Like, this is this is ridiculous. This um, is terrible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, anyway, they lose this one, the, the first game of the doubleheader, 2-1. to one. They lose um, the second game, 4-2. to two. Max was max, 6 and a third. Eight hits, two runs, and ten strikeouts. There's not much else to say about that, other than the fact that Max hasn't walked anybody since he came back off the injured list. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Unfortunately, pain in yeah. the ass. Yeah, um, you know, Gomes tried his best to uh, to win this game on his own. You know, two for three, a double, and two RBIs in the walk, and just wasn't enough. Um, Smiley wasn't terrible, but you're up against one of the better offenses in the National League, and uh, you got to deliver. And and you know, starting pitching hasn't delivered enough, and that's the way this one goes. They win the game four today, uh, three to two, which I was not prepared for, obviously. <laughs> um, but I, the, the one player I want to highlight right now on the Cubs because I want to talk about something positive with this ball club um, is Nico Horner. Um, This last week, four runs, 10 hits, two RBIs, a walk, two strikeouts, two steals. He's hitting 370 for the week, um, 414 and 444. Um, The guy is the, the leading hitter on the ball club. He's hitting 307 this year. Um, 
the man has cemented himself as a fixture for the long haul, hopefully, unless management screws it up. Certainly possible. Yeah. So that's 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 the, the big highlight I want to take away is I'm not worried about Keegan and Nico continues to solidify himself as a quality player going forward and Patrick Wisdom needs to uh unfollow and unfriend Javi Baez as quickly as possible because that's got to be hurting him somehow. <laughs> so Patrick Wisdom, Joe, has played in 87 games this season. Take a guess how many games he has managed to not strike out in. Five? More than that, actually. he, he He's managed to not strike out only 16 times. That's it. 16 out of 87. Call me a pessimist. Five seems like a, seems, five seems like a pretty good number. I'm not going to lie. Uh, to be, dude, without looking it up, I would have said it was like 5 to 10. Honestly, I would not have guessed much more than that. Um, and the Cubs are actually 7 and 9 in those games, so they actually do better than they're doing right now. Even if it's a losing record, they still do better than they do right now when he manages to not strike out. Gee, imagine that. Yeah, I know. Crazy, isn't it? Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Let's, <laughs> you know what? I'm not going to delve any deeper on that. That's, ju that's just a Yeah, mess. please don't. Yeah, that's, that's sad. All right. So for the Phillies, they had a really screwy week as they ended this insane road trip to end the first half. So they finished the Cardinals series on Monday, which they lost. So they split that series. They went to Toronto short a crap load of guys that aren't vaccinated for COVID because um, the Canadian officials will not let players across the border if they're not vaccinated unless they have an exemption. So they got swept by the Blue Jays and uh, the Wheeler loss is pretty bad. He lost that game 8-2. That, but then they went down to Miami and for the first time in God knows how many years, uh, 2019, they swept the Marlins in Miami including beating Sandy Alcantara. Granted, it was a 2-1 victory, so it's not like they absolutely crushed Alcantara. They just got lucky against Alcantara and uh, managed to not uh, let him get degromed. Like, you know, well, anyway. Um, so, whether, it's, whether it's luck or or um, or skill, the fact that they beat him is important, I think, for them. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it's got, you know, I mean, that is, honestly, that's, that's some freaking luck right there and a little bit of skill. Uh, Nola today pitched very well, wasn't able to quite finish. He pitched eight and a third, left the game with a 4 nothing lead, runners on first, second, one out, two weekly hit singles that just went out of the infield. All four hits that he allowed today were singles, so uh, hell of a start for Nola. Um, Alvarado was able to shut the door and not cause any more issues shot somewhat shockingly if you ask me so um it you know good end of the first half for aaron nola um so yeah you know that was jason's big notes he didn't really want to go too much into the toronto series understandable um it wasn't exactly a great series for them um, he did have a fun stat here. Um, Rob Thompson became the first Canadian to manage a, a major league baseball team up in Canada. So that's a pretty cool stat as well. So uh, congratulations to Rob for that one. Uh, even if the Toronto series didn't really go all that well for Philly. 
All right. So let's move on. Joe, my hot, my hot hitters for the week. I'm going to start off with uh, uh, Leody Tavares of Texas. 478, 500, 870 line for the week. Six runs scored, a homer, nine RBIs, four stolen bases, 11 hits, six doubles, a walk, and four strikeouts. Trey Turner of the Dodgers. 385, 407, 731. Nine runs scored, three homers, nine RBIs, a stolen base, 10 hits, one walk, three strikeouts. I've got Mr. Frederick, Freddie Freeman of the Dodgers. An insane 667, 679, 1.25 slugging, seven runs, three homers, seven RBIs, 16 hits, five doubles, two walks, one strikeout. And I'm also going to throw Austin Riley. I gave you his numbers earlier. I, I won't repeat them again. Um, those are my hot player, my hot hitters for the week. Joe, anybody else to add to the hot hitter list? for you um the only guy would be the money ball guy and for me i'm gonna go with the uh, mayhew from the yankees um eight runs 12 hits an rbi six walks five strikeouts uh 414 528 448 yeah i can't argue with that that's a good week all right yeah, with the mm, um with the Yankees today, I mean, they had 11 runs at one point, and only one of those was on a home run. So they're finding a way to get it done without the the massive long balls that you expect them to hit. So, yeah, no arguments. That's a that's great. All right, moving on to the top pitchers. I have my number one this week was Miles Miklas of the Cardinals. So yeah, I guess he probably earned his All Star start. In two starts, he went 2-0, nine strikeouts, a 126 ERA, a .7 whip. He allowed two earned runs, nine hits, one walk, two home runs allowed. That was in 14 and a third. My second guy was Max Scherzer of the Mets. In two starts, he went 1-0. Uh, and 0. He threw 13 and a third, 20 strikeouts, a 203 ERA, a .9 whip, three earned runs, 11 hits, a walk, one home run allowed. I also had um, German Marquez of the Rockies. He went 2-0 and in two starts, 13 and two-thirds, 263.8 for the whip, four earned runs, nine hits, two walks, one home run allowed. Um, and then the other guy I had on here, he, despite his loss, he made two starts and he, he went 0-1, but I can't not put Alcantara up with ne- these numbers, man. 15 innings, 16 strikeouts, 1.2 ERA, a .87 whip, two earned runs, 10 hits, three walks. Clearly, he is not the reason why the Marlins are losing games. Uh, he is doing absolutely everything he can to keep them in. I mean, I, I I don't keep the running numbers for this, Joe, but my guess is Alcantara has been the hot pitcher almost every week this season. The dude's just been on fire. Yeah, I mean, he's been the the guy that we've really been highlighting pretty much every week, um, you know. And and fortunate for Jason on the short end of of the stick on the other night, but the guy Got continues that. to be probably the best hitter, best pitcher in the National League. Now, Scherzer might have an argument if he didn't go on the the DL for six weeks or whatever it was. Yeah, but, yeah. Well, you know, Alcantara has been the best pitcher in the National League, bar none. Yeah, he's been absolutely phenomenal. Um, I, 
He's a guy I think everybody would love to have on their team. He is number two in Major League Baseball in ERA at 1.76. He's got a 9-4 and four record. He is, I'm assuming he's still leading. Yeah, he's leading the Major Leagues by over 12 innings at 138 and a third innings. Uh, interestingly, Noah is second at 126 and two-thirds. He's thrown two complete games. He has only allowed 92 hits in those 138 innings. He's got a .9 whip for the season, a .190 average against. He's only allowed six home runs, walk 33 versus 123 strikeouts. He's also given up a ridiculous seven unearned runs. I mean, the dude's having uh, an insane season on a bad team. Yeah, and and you have to wonder just kind of, if Miami's going to make any changes to this, I, I don't know if they, if a team needs starting pitching, are they willing to part with a guy that's been a killer of everybody else in their division for the last few years? Probably not. Um, but at the same time, the Marlins appear to be going relatively nowhere other than the streak they were on. What was that in April or May? So, yeah, yeah, they were hot for a little bit, and uh, that didn't seem to last very long, did it? No. Uh, let me see here. I, give me a second. I am pulling up Alcantara. I'm trying to pull up Alcantara's um, contract here. Uh, do, 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 where the hell is it? Is he not even? Let me see. Oh, he's only 26. Has he run out of arbitration yet? He may not be out so. of arbitration. I don't know. He, oh, here it is. Okay. He is, yeah, he's not a free agent until 2027. That's right. Oh, yeah. He just signed an extension to avoid arbitration. He had, in 2027, it's a $21 million team option with a $2 million buyout. He's not going anywhere. You don't trade a guy with that much team control, no matter how bad you are. Absolutely not. Which, You're right. which is too bad because I would love to see him down in Atlanta, but that's not going to happen. The Miami's asking price is probably going to be like, uh, we want Acuna, we want Albies. You know what? Just give us your pitching staff and uh, we'll give them back. Yeah. Absolutely not. It, it would be worse than the asking price the Nationals would ask the Braves to get Juan Soto, which, uh, no. Absolutely not on that either. All right, Joe, any other uh, starters you want to toss on there before the money ball reliever? Or I'm sorry, the adulting reliever? Nope. All right, who is the adulting reliever of the week? The, the adulting reliever of the week is Scott Barlow from Kansas City. Um, made <laughs> five appearances here this week, um, five innings, three of which were – save opportunities, which he got. So he's three for three and save opportunities, five innings of work, one hit and six strikeouts. Yeah. I can't argue with that. Damn. That's really good. Not very often. Um, you can argue with me about that one. <laughs> you know, I have to say your money ball relievers have been pretty on point this year. I haven't, I have had no complaints with any of them. Hell you even had Jansen on one week. So uh, yeah. definitely no complaints for me there. Um, yeah, interestingly, and, uh, and not surprisingly, I haven't seen a Phillies Phillies guy mentioned there at all. <laughs> uh, I'd, mit- I'd mentioned David Robertson, but I'm more worried about getting him off my club than keeping him. So, yeah, 
I don't blame you. I still think you should send them to the Phillies just so they can try and recoup some of the lost value from that earlier deal they did with them. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's not nice, Jason. That's not yeah. nice. Um, you to pile on our buddy, man. Jeez. Hey, he's not on. I can pile on, right? <laughs> All right. Hot teams for me this week. I Much shorter list than we've had. I've got Orioles, Mariners, Mets, Dodgers, and Giants. Do you have anybody else you want to add to that, Joe? No, but I've got beef with this Mets being on the hot team list. The Cubs are terrible. <laughs> you, did, you, didn't sweep, you didn't sweep the Cubs. <laughs> Just for that, you're not a hot team. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, but they, took two out of three. they took two out of three from Atlanta, though. That's why I didn't put Atlanta on the hot list, because I knew I'd get shit for that. Well, and Just you by would, taking three out of four from the god-awful Nationals. You, you would rightly deserve that. but <laughs> That's yeah, why I didn't put them on. The, the Mets took three out of four, but they should have taken four from, from the Cubs. So... Just for just out of spite, I would like them off the list. Um, what were the games in New York or were they in Chicago? Chicago. Okay, th- come on, you had home field advantage. You're allowed to steal one. <laughs> Trust me, I watched the, the two yesterday. We should have stolen three. That's yeah, fair. Yeah, it's fair. Um, yeah, and the extra innings have not been kind to the Cubs. I, what are they like three and nine, three and eleven, something insane like that? Well, it was three and nine last week, so it's it's at least three and eleven now. <sighs> Jesus, that's insane. Well, I will, hey, I, will, we... I will say, David Ross got tossed from two of the four games this weekend. Um, <laughs> so damn, and. And Ian Happ got tossed. And what's funny is when Ian Happ got tossed, um, Ross was in the middle of an interview with Marquis. So he throws the headset and takes off for home plate. (laughs) Man, I thought it was safe to have an interview right now, but nope, we got to run. (laughs) Marquis' ratings went up probably 5 million viewers in that 10 seconds. Yeah, it's the biggest boost he'll ever have to that, I'll bet you. (laughs) All right, so coming out of the All-Star break, um, just looking ahead here, Philadelphia and Chicago will be playing. So uh, right now what ESPN has listed is it's going to be Gibson Steele, Wheeler Stroman, and TBD versus Smiley. Um, My guess is they're probably going to have – I'm not going to trust any of anybody's predictions for starters at this point, because with the all-star break teams can kind of reset the rotations. So um, that's what it's at right now. Atlanta will face the angels coming out of the all-star break and uh, there's no predictions even up for that. So I don't know why some of them are up for Philly and Chicago. So I, I I wouldn't even worry about what I would just assume top three guys from each squad are going to be the ones starting um, unless he swaps Nola and Wheeler around to give Wheeler an extra day. Yeah, I, I don't know. I could see that. Who knows? It doesn't matter. It's after the all-star break. It's enough days off. It doesn't matter where you put the guys. So um, Joe, what are you thinking for Cubs Phillies coming out of the all-star break? Uh, uh, honestly, I'm not, you know, I, I'm a, the glasses 
half or three quarters empty at this point when it comes to being a Cub fan. So, look, yeah. I, I'm just, you know, again, I, I was telling you guys I'm contemplating whether I, I make a trip to Philly to see Wilson in a Cub uniform for the last time I see him live. Um, you know, maybe I do that. But, um, look, the Cubs are a garbage team. There's a ton of – when you watch them play – and Jason will get a full diet of this, I'm sure, when he watches them play. He'll enjoy it, obviously. Um, but, you know, you get a ton of why bother swings it's, is what one of the CHGO Cubs guys calls it, where it's like, why, why are you even swinging? You know you're not going to hit this, and you know you're not giving 100% effort on it, so why, why bother? Um, yeah. You know, the, the, the Cubs are a why bother team. They make the bad news Bears look like a World Series contender. This is ridiculous. Oof. Yeah, I, I wish I could argue with that, but I really can't. All right, so then Atlanta's coming out of the All-Star break. They've got the Angels at home before they have to hop on the road to Philadelphia, come back home for Arizona, and then Philly for two, and then head to New York for five at the Mets with a doubleheader. August is such a screwy month. I this it, August is going to be rough for Atlanta. The end of July is uh, not so bad. I can live with that, but... Joe, listen to this for August. Two versus Philly, five at New York, five at Boston, five at, uh, four at the Marlins. Come home for four versus the Mets, three versus Houston. Head on the road to Pittsburgh where Atlanta should do well, but will probably screw around because they never play well in PNC. Three at the Cardinals and then end the month, three at home versus the Rockies. I, The second half schedule for Atlanta is not very pleasant um in particular september is also rather nasty um i touched on it briefly before but um atlanta and the mets have among the worst schedules in november or excuse me in september with consecutive games and road trips and east west i the fact that they have to go to the west coast in september pisses me off to no end i think that's absolute garbage east coast west coast should be done by august i think for the sake of teams from both divisions i think that's insane that they have to make that trip in september um honestly i i'm i i, I kind of hope trout's actually okay because um uh, a lot of the a, a lot of the guys in tomahawk talk are like we're we're all you know going nuts trying to get tickets for the angel series we want to see otani we want to see trout Honestly, man, I'm looking at the way Jason did. I, I, I'd i like to be there. I'd like to see Trout and Otani crack a whole bunch of home runs and batting practice and then suck during the game. I think that's honestly the best of both worlds. Jason nailed that one. Um, yeah, so obviously it's not something we're going to be, uh, <laughs> you know, obviously not something I will be available to see, unfortunately, living up here in Pennsylvania. But uh, really, really, the Angels have been bad. I don't expect that to get better. And if Trout's not ready to play, if Atlanta Atlanta needs to take two or three coming out of the break, they, they should sweep, but they need to take at least two out of three. So, Yeah, they need to get off on the right foot, particularly with that schedule like you mentioned. Yeah, I, I hate their second half schedule. It's uh, bogus, to say the least. Um, Joe, were there any other weekend series, or are you just going to take the All-Star break week to uh, decompress and just take it easy and watch the All-Star game and the home run derby? Uh, probably. I, that's, you know, more so I kind of – I think last year I had a lot of reason to be that way. This year I, I have more reason to be that way. Um <laughs> 
yeah unfortunately but i actually have guys playing in it so i'm sure i'll i'll i don't think i'll watch the i might watch some of the all-star game but i'll you know catch a lot of the videos on cubs twitter and and see yeah some of the special moments that happen um but yeah i i to me i honestly the all-star break couldn't come at a better time i need a week yeah yeah you really do you've earned it um so yeah that's yeah that's all-star week um so honestly guys it's been a fun first half uh next week when we're all back on live um hopefully i jason had something come up tonight he was supposed to be on with us but uh he had a last minute thing come up next week we're going to talk about um our predictions of who we thought was going to be the um mvp cy young rookie of the year we're going to name who we think is our first half MVP Cy Young Rookie of the Year. You know, compare and contrast what we thought then to what we think now. Um, and we'll take a little bit of a deeper dive into what we're expecting into the second half. Um, I know Jason is much happier with his second half schedule than his first half, unlike me, who's kind of torqued off about my second half schedule versus my first half. So, you know, we'll see how that rolls. All right, guys, you can find the audio recordings on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Amazon Music, and Spreaker. You can see us live on our YouTube channel, on Facebook Live, and on Twitter. You can find our merchandise at redbubble.com slash people slash ddab-podcast. Follow us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash dollardogsandbeer, on our Twitter page at ddab underscore podcast. You can find all three of us on Twitter. I'm at pyrolord314, Jason's at jricker300, Joe is at joltonjoe35. We are presented by Dark Arrow Podcast LLC, and we are sponsored by the awesome Whiskey and Blade Barbershop in Lidditz. And uh, Joe, I should note, Johnny, uh, the guy who usually cuts my hair, was up in New York today in the Bronx to see his Yankees beat the crap out of Chad's uh, Cub or the Chad's Red Sox, excuse me. So, uh, Johnny, the next time I get my hair cut is going to be on cloud nine, I'm sure, and uh, Chad's just going to be over in the corner grumbling like normal. So, guys, may your dogs always cost a dollar. May your beer always be cold. Have a good night, everybody.